Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the From the Finney podcast with me, Jake. Me, Ollie. And me, Jimmy. For this episode, we were joined by Kieran Maguire of the Price of Football podcast and the book of the same name. And we had an in-depth chat, I think is probably a good way of putting it, about football, North End, COVID, finances. Anyone interested in football finance will probably take a lot from this podcast. So yeah, have a listen. Yeah, enjoy. Yeah, thank you very much. Rumours flying about, isn't there, about signings? It's, uh, yeah, it's weird. I've only I'm seen Lyle asking... Taylor. I've seen uh, Johnny Hayes on Lyle Taylor. Oh, yeah. I was absolutely fucked yesterday, so I don't know what happened yesterday. But the Lyle Taylor one I saw from there was from that 72.co.uk, which is... I, think, I don't think he'd come to us. I'd have him, though. Very good strike. Yeah, I'd have him. Yeah, I'd have him. I liked him at Wimbledon. He's good when he... Just a bit old now, isn't he? Is it 30, 31? What? Is he 30? 30. Yeah. That yeah, Johnny Hayes thing, that's been about for a couple of, like, couple of few windows, windows, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, he's, what, 32? Yeah. Are we changing Again. tact, do you think? He's 32, isn't he, Johnny Hayes? Yeah. yeah. be interesting if we're changing tact and just going for a little bit of experience to try and get us over the line. Yeah. Um, how, how old is Sinclair? Sinclair, 31? 31. 31, yeah. yeah. But there's obviously the thing about this this week, I've heard that the owners said not to issue any contracts out for the time being. So obviously yeah. it's going to mean losing a couple of the guys out of contract. Don't know if it'll affect Galley and Clark, because obviously they're here for the end of the season. But there's a few of the kids and um, likes of Crow, etc., that aren't going to go back. So obviously they're likely to be released. Yeah. So I think it's I interesting think, um, if we go down yeah, that was, route. Did you see that? Did you read that article with um, Connor Simpson? Yeah, on the no, Athletic. Yeah, that was quite. It's actually one. really good. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a really good read. I think it's, you know, like we said on the last pod we did, um, but you know, I don't think Connor Simpson is right for pro football. Person, I think he'll be a good National League striker in the future, but I don't think he's ready for that yet either. You know, we we spent seventy five thousand pounds on someone that's not good enough for the championship, unfortunately. And not good enough for the, not good enough for League One, you know, as he's showed with his two loan moves. Mm. You know, Carlisle and Accrington won it last year. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was only playing in the cup for Aki, wasn't he? Yeah, just the JPTs. Mm. So yeah. yeah. There'll be a few there'll be a few more that will get released as well, but yeah, it's just one of them in it really. I think it as we'll probably hear on the pod in a sec, it's um Football's in crazy times financially. Yeah. Football is fucked. Yeah, pretty much. But, Do you think yeah. it's maybe a case of better the devil you know with football and finance in general? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, uh, things I suppose if someone's offering you three hundred million pound a season for TV rights, you're not going to turn it down, really, are you? No, but it's that it's like what happened with ITV Digital. Yeah, yeah. The, the football gets a load of money, so it spends a load of money, and then as soon as it gets pulled, then it's like, oh shit, what we're going to do now? Um, I think you know you, you can spend within your means, but if you spend within your means, you're going to do what Rosalind did and go down. You know, yeah. they made a profit. I went and got really good. I think we are between a, a bit of a rock and a hard place, just with where we're at. Yeah. But yeah, don't know. If, if the um, I don't think there will be anything in that Lyle Taylor one. But if there is, then no, I can't see it myself. It'd be, be quite interesting. No, same. I'm just trying to think who Alex Neal signed. Bowers been Bowers not that old though, is he? 26, 27. Yeah, I think he's 27, yeah. isn't he? This is what I'm thinking. It might be a change of tack. Yeah, because we've gone from having young, unproven players for the majority, or players that want to prove themselves in the championship, to then if you get a Johnny Hayes, who's an international player, who's played for the biggest club, club in Scotland. Sorry for all the Rangers fans out there for the past, you know, three four years, and a decent, you know, and started quite a lot of games. Yeah. I could see the Hayes one, especially with Sinclair being here. I don't know enough about him. It is my, it's my no, opinion. He he used um, to be absolutely rapid, but I think he's had a few injuries, hasn't he? So I don't know enough about him. Um, yeah, he used to play left wing when I when I've seen him a few times, but apparently he's more of a left left sided utility player now. So, but he's, he's not. Up and he's down a, for you. Yeah, he's not the biggest, so I don't know. That'd be a that'd be a weird one, but we have been linked probably three or four windows in a row now, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, so, thirty-two years. He's only played for. He only played forty-five times for Celtic. Yeah. Um, obviously, did well at Aberdeen before that. Inverness before that. Started his career in England, though. Started his career at Reading. Uh, but is from Dublin, so another Irishman to the ranks. Uh, always, always yeah. hard to tell. I think with SBL players, always hard yeah. to tell. Yeah, they're either. Yeah, well, when was the last SBL player we got that was decent? Well, jury's out on Sinclair, you could say. Jury's still out on Louis Malt as well. Jury's out on Malt. Stephen May didn't do it. Nah, the, the, Chris Humphrey did well for us at League One level. Yeah, he, even even Chris Humphrey was limited. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always, um, it's always a tricky now. one. Yeah. Hmm. Well, at least football's coming back, mate. That's the main thing. You know, it's like obviously we've seen the pictures of the players at the training ground and stuff. They'll probably ramp up training next week, or is it the eighth when the CFL meeting is yeah. about contact? Yeah, I heard. I know we're just we're going to mention it in the pod that people listen to in a minute, but I heard the twentieth of May, twentieth uh, of June. Sorry, that first game will be back. That's when the yeah. uh, old Premier League game starting. It apart from the the games in hand. Yeah, the two, there's two games three days before, isn't there? But I, yeah, you know, just to I, get I, everyone level, aren't they? Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if we did come back on the 20th of June, though. Three weeks from now. I just think the, I just think managers will want an extra week. Yeah. Especially uh, if they're only going to be going back to full contact training. First in, game, first game back got a lot harder yesterday, didn't it, boys? Luton, God, yeah. That's gonna be it's gonna be a nasty one. That they'll be way up for it. One yeah. of the best coaches in the league, they'll be up for it. You fan of uh, Nathan Jones, are they? 
Yeah. Never mentioned it. Nah, for anyone listening, support coaches, not clubs. <laughs> if you believe in the individual, everything will take care of itself. Is that the Asian Cop connection as well then for Liverpool? Yeah, and and the Pep Guardiola connection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. But yeah. It's um it's coming back. Yeah, I think it's I think last time all the time before I was still a bit fifty fifty, but I think obviously despite what's happened to Jaden Stockley, go well soon. I think I think everything will be fine. Your tweet cracked yeah. me up last night. My tweet last night? Yeah. Even, even trees can get covered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one's safe, buddy. Nobody. No, but, um, um, well, that is a, that is just an interesting point, though, because like what you said before, Jake. If someone's testing negative, then negative, then negative, then positive. How do we know Jay has not passed it on to Shawnee? Who's mm-hmm. not passed it on to Alan Brown? So that's the only concern, but I don't think nothing well, think like that has happened in the Bundesliga or anything like that. Since so. the first round of testing, the numbers have gone up in the EFL, though, haven't they? Yeah. Was it two, then six, then ten yesterday? 17 yesterday, wasn't it? Oh, was yeah, it? 17, 17, including League Two. Yeah. 10 in the Championship. Yeah. But, you look at the, but we look at the spread yesterday, so I'm not sure if there's much correlation to that because obviously in, in, league, in, in our league, it's come from eight different clubs. I think it's Middlesbrough's physio. It's someone's physio, isn't it, that's got it yesterday. He's oh, tested right. positive. Which isn't great if he's been touching players. Mm. That sounds wrong. If, 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 no, if it I, does if sound I, wrong. I, if I, I was to sound yeah, like that. Yeah, please don't do that. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, but, yeah, it's not ideal. No. Nope. We'll just wait and see. We don't know. If it's end of day. I, I said to someone this week, I said, it's out of our hands. What can we do as fans now? Nothing. It's, it's going to happen, isn't it? All you yeah. can do is get get the notebook out, football's back, start analysing again. Yeah, get it from your TV screens. I think so. um, Bundesliga Bundesliga home home win percent is like less than twenty percent. Was it? So, is it not so, like four home wins out of the first three rounds of fixtures? Yeah, yeah, and we're now nearing the end of the fourth fourth round. Yeah. So that's that's something to be interested in for when it comes back. I think English football's a bit different though. So yeah, I mean, yesterday there was two out of the five, weren't there? But even then, like one of them's by Munich. Yeah. So, you know, you sort of expect that, but then three away wins. That's Yeah, it's, be interesting. Um, yeah. I, I, I think in England I think in England there's a lot more individualism about each of the clubs. In Germany, there's a lot of similar stadiums, big arenas, similar sized pitches. I think in England, I think there's a bit more. There's a bit more to the home advantage. Yeah, it's like apart, apart from just the, apart from just the fans. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you'd be as intimidated as a player going to somewhere like QPR or Luton as you would be if there was fans there. Where yeah. you know where the fans are on top of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think in I Brentford, think, Brentford as well. Yeah, yeah, Griffin Park. I think yeah. that sort of competitive that bit of fan advantage you might have yeah. sort of goes out the window at that point you know I don't I don't think we make much difference at home to be fair because yeah, I was trying to think about why we've been so good at home because it's, it's not like the fans are it's not it's good. not like the town ends rocking 24-7 is it yeah I don't know I don't, yeah, yeah I'm saying that I think we got it probably got us over the line against Blackburn didn't it this year yeah yeah so they've probably made a little bit of a difference. Probably contradicted myself a little bit, but 
I don't think it makes a massive I think it's, difference. Yeah, I think it, we do set up differently away from home as well. So I'd be interested to see if it'll probably take a few game weeks to for managers to realise if different teams are setting up differently yeah. home and away. And the other thing, because we, as well is we definitely set up. Yeah, intensity, yeah. Like, you look at the Bundesliga, the first round was okay, and then the, the following ones have been better and better in terms of the intensity and... Yeah. And what I think, actually, that's that's an interesting point because the, the midweek games, I thought there was a real drop-off from the first two games. That's probably yeah. just fatigue because mm. I think this is now their fourth game in two weeks. Um, so, I think... Did it start two weeks ago today or yesterday? Two or three weeks, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, so this is, I think it's their fourth, their fourth game. So I think I've seen in a, a bit of a drop-off, which is to be expected, to be fair. So stuff like that, we'll just have to see what happens. But I think based on the interviews I've seen and stuff, the players seem to have come back in decent shape, as you'd expect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no one you look at thinking, Christ, you've been you've been on the beach also, you know, or, or been on the beers for three, for eight weeks. Yeah. No one look at that idea, so I think it's hard uh, to it's hard to um it's easy to forget, sorry, like the position we're in as well. So I've been quite an exciting position. So I've been six. Yeah. Yeah. Because in a way we're kinda of lucky of what not lucky, but it's I don't think we'd have finished in the playoffs if would have played them nine games as we were meant to. Just no, personal opinion. We did a bit of a rut, haven't we? But, but know, yeah, fingers so, crossed. We, we just restart now, don't we? It's like yeah. it's, it's a nine-game season, mm. so it's yeah. like hopefully the players are a little bit refreshed, and yeah, we uh, we hit the ground running in three weeks' time or, or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Over over to Kieran then. Cheers, boys. Hello. All right, Hi, Kieran. Kieran. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Yeah, very yeah, good. Thank good, you. Good, Excellent. Good, good. Right. Well, for, first of all, if you could just introduce yourself, Kieran. Okay. Uh, my name's Kieran Maguire from, from the University of Liverpool, where somehow I've managed to blag a career talking about football and finance. Um, and on the back of that, I, I wrote a book because there wasn't any book about football finance, which was a complete pain in the butt to do and uh i, I do a, a twice weekly podcast with comedian gavin day who uh somehow makes my spreadsheet seem a lot more interesting than anybody else can <laughs> um yeah thank you very much for coming on it's it's really appreciated um i think before we get into sort of like a, a more specific north end discussion just wanted to get your thoughts on sort of the current situation where you see football going maybe more specifically how the championship will be affected in the the championship is an almighty car crash of uh, of a division because it, it, it's a bit like where you have got two oceans meeting in the sense that you've got clubs coming down from the Premier League awash with parachute payments. You've got uh, wannabe billionaire owners who want to get into the Premier League, and you've got clubs which have just come up from League One where you're getting a million pounds a year in TV money compared to 100 million. So you put all of those three together and, it, and it's financially, it, it's a mess. Um, the, the clubs are losing over 600 million pounds a year between them. They're reliant on player sales and um, rich owners to bail them out. And 
from from a business point of view, um, it, it's it's very very precarious. It's very high risk, and it's as a consequence of that, it is susceptible to shocks. And clearly, what we're going through at present with COVID nineteen is a huge shock. And I, I can see it from the perspective everybody's working from self interest. Absolutely, from those clubs that are. Um, in the promotion places, in the playoff places, in the, in the potential to get playoff places, you can see why they want to continue. It's very valid, understandable reasons. You've got some clubs who've got nothing to play for, and therefore they're saying, well, we're losing money hand over fist. Why add to those losses by taking players out of furloughing and incurring testing costs? And then you've got the clubs out at the bottom who are, are scared witless at the thought of going down to League One because I don't know whether League One will take place next season. Because you can't you can't justify it taking place if you've got to the cost of testing. So that's so that's where we are. Um, it, it's it, it's a crazy division with lots and lots of crazy owners, which which uh, sort of adds to my intrigue because some of the stuff they do is very entertaining. Um, but uh, from a business point of view, you look at it and you go, who in their right minds? would go into a business where 23 out of 20 or 23 out of 24 of the clubs are losing money year in year out yeah i think the big thing that i took from one of your podcasts recently came was obviously Rotherham were the only team to make a profit last year and they they got relegated and uh, i think it's it is unsustainable especially the losses that are incurring in the championship at the moment i mean you only have to look at us as a business last year losing it was 11 million pound um, in terms of the books, and that doesn't even include the, the owner putting the share issues in, etc. You know, which he's he's put in quite a lot over the years um, in terms of the share issues and the loans that he's put into the business as well. Um, I, I suppose for, from your point of view, because something you've mentioned before is obviously about business models in the championship, and a lot of the business models are about selling a player every twelve months. Um, ours is that model. You know, you look yep. at the sales of Jordan Hugill. Callum Robinson, probably going back as far as David Nugent in 2008, you know, is, as far back then is it's always been our model. How do you think it's going to affect the championship in general with the collapse of the transfer market that's probably inevitable on the back of COVID-19? And how do you think that could adversely affect a club like ourselves? I, I think it'll be very challenging. Uh, I mean, the way that the business model works for for clubs you know press i think brentford are probably the prime exponents of it the most successful club in terms of player development and selling on is that you 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 set off at the start of the year with the intention of losing money 364 days of the year and on the 365th you're hoping to go and have a winning lottery ticket in the form of a player sale yeah um and those lottery tickets are worth a lot less because as far as um, this this summer is concerned, if you, if you were looking to, to sell a player for, for ten million, um, who you thought was was worth that a, a few months ago, realistically, who are you going to sell to? It's either going to be one of the big clubs in the Championship who have just just come down from the Premier League or have been there for a few years and have a an owner that wants to make money. Well, they they ain't got the money to spend because. They're having to give rebates to their fans. They're not got any, they've got no season ticket income and so on. Um, you've got an awful lot of more, far more players up for sale. And 
on on the back of that that the the market is is going to collapse because in, instead of signing say another Jordan Hugill for for eight to ten million pounds, they'll take a loan instead. Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll make a loan signing, or they will find that whilst football in England is struggling, football in the Netherlands, Belgium, Italy, Spain, and so on, with the exception of the, the massive clubs, um, that's in a far worse condition. So therefore, you can get a player of an equal quality for for three million. So that will drive down the prices here in England. Say Preston were going to sell Jordan Hugel for ten million. I think it was two and a half years ago, Kieran. How much do you think we're going to expect prices to drop substantially? Sort of in in the coming transfer window. There's there's a uh, there's an organisation called CIES Laboratories in Switzerland, and they do a lot of dynamic algorithmic work you know working with with the likes of uh opta and so on and um the, the they they estimated that prices had fallen by around about 30 percent in in sort of the first six weeks of lockdown and that's for elite players yeah. now I, th- I think that if you're looking for Sancho, Harry Kane, Rashford, your players of that caliber, there still will be demand because the rich are still rich. Yeah. But the non-rich are a lot poorer. So I'd expect a fall in the market of at least 50% for the the mid-tier clubs. And uh, that's, uh, yeah, that'd be an issue. Um, I had a quick question about TV money, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's the Premier League and the £340 million rebate that's now been approved, I believe, at the meeting last week. Um, how is that going to adversely affect the Championship in terms of solidarity payments? Because when I look at North End's TV revenue from last year, it was £7.5 million and 61% of our total income. Um, how is this rebate and subsequent rebates, as if it doesn't get completed by July the 12th, I think it is, um, going to affect both us and the championship. I, th- I think it's a it's, it's an intriguing one that in the sense that um, the the Premier League rebate that they've not worked out who's going to pay for it. So is it going to be shared between the twenty Premier League clubs? In which case the the solidarity payments will be unaffected. And if you think, and also the the Premier League did advance the the final instalment of the solidarity payments to the EFL. Uh, I think it was towards the end of March to help them just sort of survive. Uh, It would be very harsh if the Premier League then comes back to the championship and the League One and League Two clubs and says, we've given you some money and and now we want it back because they've not got the cash. Yeah. You know, if if you are Macclesfield, if you are Morecambe, and so on, you're, you're living on a on a hand to mouth existence as it is. Um, you simply don't have that money. So I, th- I think that will be a challenge. I think a, a bigger issue is the fact that there's a potential rebate to Sky from um, from the EFL itself, because right. the um, the EFL has not delivered. Uh, in terms of the number of contracted ma- matches for this season. So depending upon the approach taken by Sky. Now, again, if they've got sense, 
what I think they'll do is come to a similar arrangement that they have with the Premier League. Let, let's work on the basis that the championship is going to take place. I think League One is doubtful. I think League One will just have playoffs, potentially. Um, League Two is just going to be playoffs. Uh, they, they, they could go back to Sky and say, look, you've got, you've got air to fill. Because yeah. Yeah, there, there's still lots of other sports, you know, no cricket, no Formula One yet, you know, and all of these, you know, golf will come back, but that will be scheduled forwards and things of that nature. How about um, we'll give you the rights to show every championship match instead of the, the 20 you were scheduled to show? Because nobody's going to be attending them. No, exactly. So, so it, it, um, and the the only thing that might go against that is, and, and I don't know enough about iFollow, is that those clubs that have signed up for iFollow might say, "Well, well, hold on, yeah, you know, we were hoping to stream our own matches. If you're now going to give them to Sky to stop them from clawing a rebate, you know, are we actually going to be better off?" But that will probably be part of the arrangements. Even so, Sky will be due money back because. Sky's biggest earners are pubs. You know, whilst we pay, you know, it's about, I'm, I'm, I, I get a season ticket from Now TV. So I, I buy a 200 pound season ticket and I just get the sport and nothing else. Um, but if you're a pub, you're paying three, 400 pounds a month for the rights to broadcast Sky and they've had to give all of that money back. So Sky are really hurting. And even when football does return, I can't see pubs opening by, you know, June, July. So they, they, they will have lost an awful lot of subscription money. So that I suspect they're going to be looking for something back, but hopefully not too much. Yeah, I think I read somewhere it's about £70 million a month they're missing out on in terms of subscription money at the moment. Sky, Sky and I think BT Sport. Um, oh, I'm just going to try and dig it out now, but it's, it's substantial. You know, you look at BT Sport as well. You know, they're missing out on, uh, obviously, the poor subscriptions, et cetera, uh, from both customers you know consumers such as you and i and then obviously the commercial aspects as well because it's it's they're obviously losing a lot of money you know they might get a lot in, in income but they're still having to pour subscriptions and not getting them the money they're expecting in at this moment in time so it's quite it's quite frightening as an industry at the moment in terms of obviously what's happening yeah that they've been they've been hit hard i mean i i, I for my sins um i have the sky cameras come round to my house quite often uh, because they've got nothing to do um but all, all that's all stopped you know all, all the broadcasting is now being done via zoom most of the cameramen are freelancers so they they've all lost their income uh you know there's a huge ripple effect in the industry exactly the same as it is you know, for a football club because if you think about the 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 pubs closest to uh, Preston, you know, where, where, the, where the stadium is, it's closest to Deepdale. Um, their 25 big, busiest days of the year are, are when North End are at home. Uh, so there's so many industries which are going to be affected. You know, it's simple things like taxis, you know, the t- get, get a taxi from the ground to the stadium if you're a away fan. You know, the, 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 the pubs and clubs in that, those nights re- really will be hammered um, because there's, there's no chance of a return and, and Sky's, Sky's part of that. Yeah. Yeah, I just pulled it up. It's 170 million at Sky and then 70 million at BT Sport, which is, if you think it's a, a quarter of a billion pound a month between two broadcast partners in the UK alone, that's you can sort of see why they're looking for something back in return. You know, in terms of the rebate, as much as it is going to hurt a lot of the clubs, 
you can sort of understand why they're why they're after a little bit back, given it's probably three months now in terms of, of lost revenue. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's business. Yeah, it's it's not personal. They they don't want to upset the Premier League too much because both sides are so dependent upon each other. You know, the Sky, Sky's business model is based upon delivering the Premier League because are you going to are you going to pay that money for Game of Thrones and you know a few a few series perhaps perhaps not but but certainly you wouldn't pay the, the same level of money that's for sure um, and, and the Premier League is dependent upon Sky and BT Sport money uh, to to pay the wages to attract the talent and to to be a success. So going back to the, the rebates point, but from a football club point of view, Kieran, um, it was actually a year ago today I did my football finance exam at uni. So I don't know how well I can remember this. But um, income from season tickets is actually deferred income, isn't it? Yeah, very so good. So do the, club, do the clubs have a legal obligation to pay that money back if the final five games can't be completed, final five home games? Yes, yes, the, cl- the club the clubs are in breach of contract. Um, right. the, the club the club is obliged to deliver to you twenty three home fixtures. Um, Pre- so Preston, Preston released a statement yesterday saying they're not in a position at the moment to pay it back. Um, many fans have obviously said that's fine, uh, but they said something about eye follow as well. So any season ticket holders might get free eye follow games. Yeah, they're exploring the option of iFollow or streaming another way if, if it's not iFollow, aren't they, I think? Yeah, you, you can understand it from the club's perspective. Um, it's it's not a case of necessarily not wanting to pay. It could be that they physically can't pay. Um, and uh, yeah, that that is going to give them a cash flow. They, they are looking for alternatives. So... As fans, we're all in different personal circumstances. We've got people who have lost jobs, people who are self-employed, who have lost practically all of their income. We've got people who are furloughed, and we've got people who are still in jobs. Based on their personal circumstances, we know that our love for our football club is unconditional, and most people will probably take the view of, if I can help in some way, then I'm willing to be flexible. And perhaps you know, I'm not happy. I'm not happy about I follow or the equivalent. But I've said for my Brighton season ticket, well, you know, I'm, I'm still got a job. You you keep the money, but yeah. so there'll be some people that can't afford to say that. So I, I think uh, clubs will be in very very thin ice legally if if yeah. they fail to deliver. Um, also, from a public relations point of view, you've got a club, um, you know, owned by a an offshore billionaire. Um, who's not willing to give people, you know, eighty quid back or whatever it is for the cost of the remaining uh, yeah. four or five fixtures? People who have lost their jobs, uh, that that's going to look terrible. So I, I think the clubs, the club needs to go tread cautiously. At the same time, if if fans want to say thanks but no thanks, we'll we'll watch the matches on TV or on iFollow. We understand the circumstances. I'm sure the clubs will be grateful. I think from what I've seen on social media, on the whole, it's been a supportive uh, response. But there's, there has been a few people saying, well, my current situation means that eight quid in my back pocket is better for me than it is for the club who's owned by, like you say, an, an offshore billionaire. I think as well, the club have probably looked at it and thought, for someone to actually challenge us for the sake of 80 quid legally, it, it's 
it's not worth it, really. No, no, it, it's not. And, and I think very few people will go down that route. I mean, you could have a class action taken by the Football Supporters Association on behalf of all fans of all clubs in the EFL. So that's that's one particular avenue. Um, from a from a marketing point of view, from a public relations point of view, if the clubs take that approach, I could pretty much guarantee that if I was a fan and I did get a job in a year or two, would I be getting a season ticket again after being treated that way? No. So I think yeah, the club the club has to look at the long the long term relationship that it has with fans, um, rather than getting a, a, a short term, uh, you know, a, a short term cash benefit. Yeah, it's probably it's very thin ice, isn't it? I mean, we've got just short of eight and a half thousand season ticket holders in the accounts last year. That might have gone up slightly for this season, but. I think I worked out of even if it's only half of those are adult season tickets, you're probably looking around £85 a rebate each at 17%. So it probably cost them about, about £400,000 to, to rebate everybody. Um, yeah. But obviously this is a club that's paid everybody in full since obviously lockdown. We've not had any wage deferrals. We've been quite astute in terms of that. We're probably one or two. I think it's one of two clubs in the championship to continue playing every, paying everyone in full. It was in Stoke City. So I think in the statement yesterday, it said that, you know, we're, we're prioritising paying the players rather than refunding fans is pretty much the essence of, of the statement, which is mm. a little bit naughty. But it's thin ice, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my estimates, uh, yeah, the average wage at North End are around about nine grand a week. If, if I'd lost my job and I'm saying I desperately need 80 quid, I've got a gas bill to pay, I've got kids to feed, um, it, it, it's going to leave a very, uh, very very sour taste in the mouth if, if the club do take, if, if they do take, but I suspect they won't. You know, I, I suspect they'll, they'll we'll try to nudge people towards one. But you know, any, any club owner worth their salt will say, um, we will, if, if you really want your money back, we'll do, we'll do what we are legally obliged to do. Mm. Yeah. And also, I suspect there could be some lawyers who are prepared to take on these cases on a pro bono basis. Yeah, it's good old no win, no fee. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the other questions I've got is about staff costs. You look at North End staff costs last year, I think it was including pensionable contributions were up to 19.2 million on yep. a turnover of 12.4 million, yep. which is yep. unsustainable. Um Obviously, given our place in the championship, we're not one of the big boys. You know, we are a bottom six side in terms of wage spend per year. How can, I suppose, it's not sustainable in my point of view, in terms of obviously spending, I think it's 143% if you take out the pensionable contributions. Um, how do we get to a point where we try to level out in terms of, you know, spending what we can to compete? without getting to the Premier League, is it possible, in your opinion, within the Championship for clubs to do that? Um, no. Uh, well, no. If you get... Uh, I mean, I think Sheffield United are a perfect example. If, if you get a manager, if you get a couple of absolute gem signings, either on loan, they had... Uh, last season, they had Ollie Norwood, who, who, who got Reading promoted, he got Brighton promoted, he got Sheffield United... You know, just. Just, just get Oliver Norwood from Sheffield United <laughs> on loan yeah. next season, and you and you and you're up. Um, but it 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 does really require um, using the loan market extremely well. 
and uh, having a very um, a very cohesive dressing room atmosphere. Um, and to, to, to achieve that, I, I think you need players who sort of got the same culture. You know, sort of they, they, they are sort of old school, it's us against the world mentality. That's how Sheffield United went up, you know, to a certain extent, you know, that Huddersfield were the same. So, so it, it, is it possible Huddersfield would say yes, um, Sheffield United would say yes. It's, it's very, very difficult, though, because, you know, you, you think about it, I, I would say that Preston are broadly on par with a club such as Huddersfield in terms of size of, size of city, you know, loyal fan base you know, and, and that type of thing. Um, so it, it's what you hope for. Yeah, I, my, my concern is obviously, we're net, you know, especially spending £19 million a year on staff costs now, which is the highest in our history. I just think we're getting to a point now where we're probably gambling a little bit too much in terms of wage spend. Um, Previous to that, it's past three years have been the highest three years of staffing costs in our history. So we're getting to a point now where we look like we're supposed to chuck in the kitchen sink at it to try and get there. But I think I think the issue, the main issue, is how small our revenue is compared to most other championship clubs as well. I think match day revenue is basically non-existent compared to most. Same as commercial revenue. And obviously, I think broadcasting revenue, Jimmy, you say, make up 60%. Yeah, 60% last year. Our turnover so without TV money is like 4.8 million a year, which is yeah. low. I think in in that, there's always going to be a gap that needs making up by the owner on an annual basis, basically. But I think we have we have made the sort of dressing room that Kieran speaks about. Um, but I don't think we've got any loan players, have we, this season? That's something that we're probably not used as well as we could have since Alex Neil came in. Yeah, I think I think you've got a, you're caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. See, by Preston standards, you're spending big. The average yeah. wage bill in the Premier League last season, thirty-four million. So yeah. the biggest you've ever spent, and you're just over fifty percent of the the uh, the average wages in in that division. Um, so as you say, you're a Budget-wise, your bottom six. It, it then comes down to the ability of the manager, of the coaching staff, getting a bit of luck, getting somebody coming through the academy who, who turned out to be better than you'd anticipated. I mean, I, I've, I've just done a podcast with Kevin Day. As you know, he's a big Palace fan, and, and we were talking about we had Wan Bissaka. That was a, a they didn't expect him to be that good, and B they didn't expect to sell him for forty-five million at the end of the season. Yeah, and sometimes you just get you just unearth a diamond, um, and that and if that player stays injury-free, then then they get you twenty goals a season, or they 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 run the midfield in that division, um, and that can get you into the playoffs. Do you think the loan market has changed as well, Kieran? In terms of maybe five or six years ago, most clubs in the Championship could probably afford to take promising Premier League players. Now it seems in the Championship there's a smaller group paying for the same sort of highly rated players for big loan fees. Yeah, the the the, the Premier League clubs have realised, and, and this is sort of, a, this is a knock-on impact of EPPP because they can effectively factory farm all the talent. Yeah. Um, they can then identify the best ones they know that Tammy Abraham is going to be you know, a, a Premier League player at some point in time. So therefore, they say, well, look, you're getting a player who has already effectively proved himself. We want, we want a million as a loan fee this season, which puts him out 
out of competition, puts him out of the market for many many of the clubs in the championship. Um, next season, I, I think the loan market will be different because even Premier League clubs will be saying to themselves, uh, you know, "We're not we're not getting we're not getting match day income." So how can we cut our costs? No, we know that the championship has got no income either. So nobody can afford to pay a loan fee. Let's just see what proportion of his wages they're willing to spend. And yes. so uh, I'd expect to see a lot more um, loan loan deals taking place, assuming the championship takes place. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one thing. That's that's the elephant in the room at present. Yeah, uh, can 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 that division? Actually, if you, yeah, we've got all these people worried about relegation and promotion and so on. Well, if, you, if you're coming up from League One and, and League One, it's civil war at present. They they are just sort of fighting amongst themselves, left, right, and centre. Uh, you're getting promoted to what? Yeah, yeah. All the talks about restarting and finishing this season, isn't it? But no one's really looking ahead. I, I suppose you can't really when you've got a third, well, less than a third of a game uh, a season to complete. But yeah. What, what exactly uh, a club's coming into? Thing isn't it? It's a bit like the transfer window. What's the tran- What could the transfer window actually look like next year? Because we we, we don't know when this season's going to end. We think it'll be end by the end of July. At which point you've got fourteen hundred players out of contract. You know, is, is there actually going to be a market for people to buy players? Because within the the window that we might have we don't know what the window's going to look like it's, it's like you go from having a three month window usually to could be a six to eight week window we just don't know do you think um, do you think as well there might be more swaps swap deals going on rather than stockpiling two or three of the same position yeah yeah i, I think there'll be there'll be a lot of flexibility as far as the transfer market is concerned because remember it's you know we're we're all focusing on what's happening on england well yeah. You know, you, you've got signings being made from overseas. So French football is not going to return. The other big four leagues in, in Europe, top leagues, top divisions are, are, are returning. But you know, nothing in France, nothing in the Netherlands, nothing in Scotland, nothing in Belgium and so on. Um, we don't know when those are going to return. So having the sort of the traditional window, what, what's the point of signing a player who you could be recruiting from a club in Belgium where he's not at a pre-season because Belgium have said, well, we're not going to return until 2021. So yeah. it's going to be incredibly complicated. So I, the logical thing would to make the to, would be to make the transfer window as fluid and flexible as possible because if I was UEFA, my focus would be, can we ensure the maximum number of clubs surviving COVID-19 having artificial barriers such as transfer window dates will reduce those because you, you could have a club which is desperate for cash. Um, it thought it was going to return in October. Second wave can't return in October. It needs to sell a player in November. And yeah. if you've got a transfer window that says, well, you can't, re- can't return till the 1st of January, that club goes out of business. Who, who wins? I think that's sort of risk that a lot of people aren't talking about as well. The, the risk of a second wave once either a new season starts or once this season's recommenced, because that could leave a lot of clubs in an even worse position. Yep. I mean, there were there 17 players in the EFL tested positive yesterday. Yeah. Now, if you get, you know, I, I, as, as you know, I support Brighton. Our, our chief executive said, if it's one or two players in the squad, we can cope, you know, because it's, it's the equivalent of a normal injury. But the nature of the disease, you could easily have... 
yeah, that gets that gets passed during a match, and all of a sudden you've got eight of your first team with COVID. You're you're you have to isolate for 14 days. You're ill, so therefore you've got a recovery time at the end of it. It it could be an absolute nightmare. And and the EFL is far less uh, is in, is in a far less robust position to cope with delays and things of that nature than than the Premier League. Uh, yeah, I, I read something yesterday. Well, in fact, my, my missus mentioned because uh, Jaden Stockley tested positive at North End and she said that she works for PHE and she said they've had cases where people are testing positive seven weeks after contracting it. So, so you, you're looking at all these, what, a thousand players and staff in, in the EFL. Some of them could only just be catching the virus now and only start showing positive signs in, in tests in, in the coming weeks when the season's already started. Yep, very much so. So, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not a medic, but it's, we're not out of the woods. I think it's a bit... I'm not party political either. Uh, but the I, there's, there's a message coming through that we've got this sorted. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not convinced. Yeah. No, none of us are, I don't think. It's, uh, no. Yeah. I think it's uh, this. Is it six people you can meet from tomorrow? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Become safe. Imagine magically become safe tomorrow, as opposed to being safe today. <laughs> just on just on the championship, Kieran. Do you think that'll probably come back a week after the prep? Because I think they're a week behind in their decision making. Well, I'm I'm not sure because our clubs clubs haven't returned to training yet, have they? To the same think, extent. Not to the same extent. No. I think they've come back to the the non-contact, socially distance training. I know press enough. Right. Well, the decision's being made on the eighth of June. So if they are in non-contact, I, I realistically, I think they're two weeks behind. I don't see how you could make the decision on the eighth of June and start a fortnight later. I th- I th- that would be a huge challenge. But yeah. equally, it would be a huge challenge to get everything and the playoffs finished by the 31st of July uh, in terms of, and that's, that's assuming that players whose contracts have expired or due to expire on the 30th of June are willing to go along with that because they're under no obligation to pay players as far as I, as far as I can see. Um, And I've been talking to some sports lawyers and they say, you know, the the reason why the, 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 the PFA and the players are taking what some people perceive as a very hard line is that they simply don't trust the clubs because so many players historically have been given promises. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give you a year's extension. We will do this for you. We'll do that for you. And then when it gets to the end of the season, it's, you know, show them two fingers out, out the door. And, and, and this, this will now come back to haunt those clubs who have treated players in a fairly offhand way in the past, that there's there's a complete breakdown in trust um, when when players are saying, "Well, you know, we know that you could six months ago you were trying to sell the club for two hundred million quid. Now now you're trying to force me to take a contract for an extra four weeks. I've yeah. I've got I've got a two year contract offer from Middlesbrough or you know, or Derby or whoever it's going to be. And and if if I get if I do my cruciate in that four weeks, that's me. I'm I'm, I'm knackered." And I'll lose that that new potential contract, which could potentially be on more money anyway. Is there a consequence, Kieran, if the season isn't completed by the thirty first of July? Only in terms of we we don't know who's contracted to play for individual clubs, right, okay. and the the legal position is that 
would appear to indicate that the clubs are are not in a very strong negotiating uh, position here. I don't think I could be wrong, boys, but I think only is it Gallagher and Clark out of contract. I think Matt Hudson is available. Yeah, I don't think that'll be much of an issue for press. I think in League One and League Two, I think around half half of all players are out of contract. I think Gary Neville said the other day. Yeah, um, well, they're, they're all one and two year contracts, aren't they? Because yeah. of the, the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um, and I know that some clubs in League Two, um, they weren't even offering twelve month contracts. They they've got into the habit of offering eight and ten month contracts Jesus. because they're in such a such a weak financial position that they they say we, we're not going to employ people on on a, on a effectively on a full time basis. Right. Um, I've got a question about the owner, um, Kieran. So obviously Trevor Mins at Preston since he took over in I think it was 2010, 2000, 2009, 2010 in the books. Um, made a Obviously, he's making a lot of investments via share issues. Um, I've got it that he's invested £26.7 million since 2013 in share issues alone. Is that probably going to be the way forward for him to continue to invest in the business if he doesn't loan the club money via Grove more, which is the ultimate parent company? Um. Yes, and and the reason for that is if you if you put money into a club via shares, that contributes towards financial fair play. So un, under the FFP rules, you're only allowed to lose um, fifteen million over three years. But if you top that up with shares, that's how we get this the, the figure that's always spoken about, which is the thirty nine million. So Trevor Hemmings is is using the appropriate method. Without that, I, I, th- I think Preston would be they won't be in breach of financial fair play um, because they did pretty well in 2017 and 2018, but yeah, their, their losses in 2019 would, would get you a bit twitchy. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously when he puts these share issues in, it's a thousand and one pound is using. Is that common throughout the industry in terms of how to, I suppose, put your money in via shares? Obviously, when I seen the figure, I was like, "Why is he doing a thousand and one? Is that is that just a common figure?" Or no, no, m- most people just do do one pound shares or fifty p shares. So, so it, it he's buying one pound shares for a thousand and one pounds. It, it's it's it will, it makes no difference because you know he's he's the only show in town. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's just probably conv- it's just probably convenient. There's less things to count. Okay. Nothing untoward. Yeah, no, it's fine. I just looked at. It, I was like. Bit strange amount to a to paper share, but obviously it just seems like it's his way of doing things as well. So, do you think Preston fans should be more grateful here for Trevor Hemmings because he gets quite a lot of stick for not obviously not investing enough in say a striker when we sold Jordan Hugo for ten million pounds? Um, but we've, we're basically we could not we could not function without Trevor Hemmings. Um, yeah, I mean, I. I've, I've done an analysis of Preston's accounts, as you know, on, on the blog, and I've always updated yeah. when, when there's been any announcement. Um, it, it has it has surprised me at the sort of the hostility towards him. Um, you know, if, if if somebody is giving me money out of their own pocket, I don't turn around and say, you're, you're the biggest contributor to my lifestyle. Um, which, in terms of Preston, he probably is. Yeah. You know, if you think that the money that he puts in compared to 
TV money compared to uh, you know, the money that's coming through the turnstiles and so on, you know, you, you've got 3.6 million of matchday income and you've got Trevor Hemmings putting in six or seven. So for every pound that's coming in through the fans, through the turnstiles, he's putting in a couple of quid. And then to turn around and say, well, you're, you're treating us pretty mean, does, I, I, I've, I've, I've not understood the, the degree of hostility that I've seen on social media. Now, it could yeah. be that, that there's, it's just a few people making a lot of noise. Or it, it could be the perception of, um, of of the of the fan base as a whole. But without him, realistically, you you, you don't have a you don't have a, a championship budget. Yeah. Because if if you take a look at your your wage bills in in uh, in League One, it was you know five or six million pounds a year. Yeah. yeah. I think I personally think we'd be in a, in a lot of trouble. Because um, he he makes up that missing amount. I think it's six seven million pound every year, uh, and I think all the loans to Grove Moor was it a uh, no repayment date and no interest as well. So yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think he can push it much further than he is doing. Whilst whilst still doing things sensibly, um, so I just think we might be at just he uh, might be as far as we can go without. Substantial increases in commercial, but we're not going to get any match day revenue increases. So we're just basically very reliant on Trevor Evans. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you entirely. Um, fans don't want investors. Fans want sugar daddies. So yeah, we, we've seen what's happened at Manchester City. We've seen what's happened at Chelsea. And... Every fan says, "Oh, I, I, I want a dad like that. I want someone to to, to indulge me." And actually, what what does Trevor Hemmings owe an individual fan? You know, I'm, I'm not sure of what what justifies him. Instead of putting in six million pounds a year, um, he puts in sixteen, and for that you've got uh, you've not you, you, that's not that won't guarantee you promotion mm. because that will take your wage bill from. 19 to 29 it's that'll take you to the average wage bill in the division that doesn't yeah. guarantee your promotion so um it, i think i think it, it, it's a similar to position it, i think the, the best the best club i would use as, as a benchmark would be ipswich town where they've got um marcus evans who again puts yeah. in the yeah, puts he puts a hundred thousand pounds a week of his own money into a football club and it's not enough according to a, a significant proportion of the fan base lacks ambition, speculate to accumulate, uh, get your money, get your checkbook out, you know, and and going. Well, hold on, you're 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 buying a season ticket, and that, that entitles you to to watch twenty three home games a season. It, it doesn't entitle you to demand an extra ten million pounds from a bloke that you've never met. Um, yeah. And I, I think, you know, if, if I was a Preston fan, I, I'd be quite proud that we're in the championship. We're we're doing okay yeah. um at, at championship level with with the kind of money Preston are talking about do you think it doesn't matter particularly if he was putting in six or ten million it depends how you spend that money anyway yeah so would you say at, at our level of spending it's more about being being shrewd in the transfer market that, that's right i mean you know the, the the championship is littered with clubs who have spent money at ludicrous levels 
and they've got a relatively poor return. I think Stoke City are a perfect example. Yeah. Um, Aston Villa under Tony G were another example. Um, and, you know, uh, Birmingham under, under some of their more uh, colourful owners have done similar. Yeah. So you, you, you've, got, you've got to be careful. Spending money and spending money well aren't one of the same things. You know, I've I've been I've been on a few dates, and believe me, I've, I've got my fingers burnt. <laughs> Brilliant. Just for I suppose the big thing for me in terms of finance is it, it says in the accounts we are going to be six point nine million pounds short next year. You know, it's you know they project an additional cash flow requirement in the next twelve months of six point, I think it's six point six nine eight million. So like that's. It's frightening that we know 12 months in advance that we owe that much. That we're going to need that much money from either the owner or player sales. Yeah, with with the market, that could be more than one player sale as well. Yeah, that'd be my worry. And we take into the fact that we've got what is it about 13 or 14 first team players all out of contract at the end of the 21 season. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, Peter is sale about 18 months ago. Um, as well as writing that. The uh, the uni the uni piece. I think he said it was Preston squad was valued at seventy seven million pounds by an external valuator. Um, I think we've sold Carl Robertson out of that for about eight million, but there's no way the squad will be worth anywhere near that now. Um, so if, if that's a model you're depending on, then I think the only the only other way to do it would be to obviously sell to probably a Ben Pearson or a Ben Davis, and then just cut back slightly. Because like you said, Jimmy, I think it's probably gone as far as it can go now. There is that. And also from what you said, if you've got all of these players with contracts expiring in 2021, if once they're into that final 12 months of their contract, their, 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 their market value falls automatically. You add yeah. on the COVID-19 impact upon the market and you're struggling. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of work to do, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the, only, the only positive from this is that when those when those contracts come up for renegotiation, the club is in a very strong position to say, "Well, we were paying you nine grand a week. Here's five. Take it or leave it." And it's not as if they can say, "Well, I can go to Forest. I can go to Borough. I can get a lot of money, more money elsewhere." Because the the whole market is going to change in terms of um, you know, League One and League Two is is going to have that problem this summer. I think the Championship will probably have it over the course of the next twelve to eighteen months. Yeah. yeah. Just how how big how big an issue do you think Brexit could potentially be for clubs like Brentford who do a lot of overseas shopping um, and possibly us as well because obviously we we shop in like League One, League Two, Ireland. But if you've got clubs like Brentford who can't go and get a player from France that are then coming into the markets that we're shopping in, who can arguably spend more, well, maybe not moving forward, but. Um, English qualified players will command a premium post Brexit because um, I, th- I think clubs in the Championship and, and uh, the Scottish Premiership uh, and all, also the the non big six clubs in the in the Premier League are going to struggle because they historically have been able to to um, secure the contracts of EU nationals who are not necessarily internationals. They haven't got the requisite number of caps, and, and therefore it's going to make it that much harder. So. Yeah, the, the positives will be that there will be opportunities for English players. So, so if, if that is your traditional recruitment market, um, then 
those players, I think, will have a slightly stronger negotiating position than um, if I was an EU player coming out of contract. You, you're you're going to go home because there's it, I I can't see what why why the 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 government's going to renew contracts or allow things of that nature to take place. So. English qualified players will command a premium. It would have been a significant premium had we not been in COVID-19. Um, I think if, if, they, if they're getting the same level of wages, they'll do very well. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it work permits that EU nationals will need? Uh, yes. We, similar to non-EU players in terms of they've got to have a certain amount of international caps or have a certain, be, being a top 5% of wage earners, is it a club or... Yeah, so there's a there's there's a long list. To be absolutely right, um, do you have the language skills? Um, which what, which country are you coming from? Where is their place in the FIFA rankings? What proportion of matches have you played from an international perspective? And also the the contract being offered by the club. Um, you know, with wage levels likely to collapse, the chances are that anybody you do offer a new contract to is going to be on less wages than your existing players. So to be in the top 25% of the, of the, of the earners, I think would be a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to affect the clubs in the championship a lot more than us. You know, if you've got, you know, Barnsley, for example, that have got quite a lot of German players, but have not been capped. And obviously they're not going to have a work permit renewed post Brexit, you know, post it whenever we leave. It's at the end of this year. I can't keep up with it. Um, it's just a mess in it but um, yeah I think it's going to affect a lot of other clubs rather than ourselves because we've got quite a, a strong I suppose Great Britain sort of nationals and, and UK nationals more than anything would it affect Irish players just out of interest you know because obviously Ireland being part of the EU but obviously bordering onto a, a British part of it yeah. I think they're just they're just trying to forget that Ireland exists I think uh, <laughs> Um as somebody that comes from an Irish family, that there has historically been, I think this was a this was a, a law passed in 1935, which still exists. Um, you don't need a work permit if you're Irish to work in the UK, uh, mainly because they needed so many navvies and people for, for the for the pre-war effort and things of that nature. So there's always been a a far more relaxed approach to to Irish nationals. Uh, I think there'll be one, but but for e, for the remainder of the EU, it'll be more complicated. Yeah, that's right, because we've obviously quite a high proportion of our players are Irish, and we've always, well, we have, Trevor Mims has got horses over there, and he fishes in the uh, the League of Ireland pot quite a lot. Obviously, Andy now owns Cork City as well over there, or part owns them, so it's um, it's a pot I think we're always going to play in, but yeah. I just didn't want it seen, <laughs> not being able to renew the work permits of our Irish players especially. So. Yeah, no, you're next Lawrenson, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, I know it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's going to happen, but going forward, would you say Preston are more well prepared to deal with it than ninety percent of other Championship clubs? Just because, just because of the stability for a start. Yeah, I, I think you've, you've you've got a you've got a relatively low cost base. Um, you've you've not overextended, and you've not got players who are on you know, 25 grand a week on with a three who signed a three year contract at the start of this season. Both, yeah. Those will be the clubs. And um, I, I, I can't go into details, but I'm, I've, I've been approached to, in respect of the sale of, of another championship club. Um, and I'd say, yeah, you're, that, that's also a well-run club. Uh, but I've, st- I've seen some of the other 
more intricate details involved with, with championship teams and you do fear um, they are they are completely reliant upon the owner continuing to have that level of wealth and interest because yeah. you know, we keep saying well we've got a rich owner what of the what of the rich owner says what's it what's in, there's nothing in this for me anymore i'm walking yeah. away and, and, yeah. and that's my fear that's some of what john Medeski did at reading wasn't it he, he decided enough was enough yeah. you know obviously they've got new owners in there the Chinese owners potentially. I think yeah, mentioned on a yeah. podcast recently about this um, loan fee that they've got for one of the players. Um, oh, yeah. Three million pound loan fee from loaning to their Chinese club. Yeah, uh, wages two hundred and twenty six percent of income. Yeah, it's a lot. Reading's looking very messy uh, because it was a classic case of new owners come in, don't know anything about football, so therefore they they get an agent to to do all their recruitment for them huge wage bills and yeah it's it will be a challenge for them uh i mean ellis short at sunderland another guy who just i've, I've, I've had enough of this walked away yeah and be be careful yeah i know, I know it's, it's 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 trite be careful what you wish for in yeah. terms of the new owners because you know we, we've all watched sunderland till i die and we've all sniggered um <laughs> charlton you know that, that Char- charlton was sold for a pound in january charlton Ch- Ch- Charlton is the closest to the next berry of all the 92 at present. It, yeah. it's, it's scary what's going on there. That's right. Have you any questions for us at all, Kevin? For you, you see, or... Um, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to know your opinion of Trevor Hemmings because, say, I, I, I can only go from the reaction I get on social media. Yeah. Um, and I'm going, why, why, why all the hostility towards him? He's, mm. he's, he's, he's bailing out the club year in, year out. And it, yeah. I can't understand with the resentment. I think one, one thing that I remember um, when we got issued with a winding up petition and he bought the club, I think a lot of people, I mean, it wasn't me personally, I was about 15 at the time, but I think I remember a lot of people who had shares in the club felt almost like he was... Um, not extorting them but making them an offer that it was either you accept my offer to buy your shares or you don't and the club goes bust and I think yeah. he was offering something like 5p a share maybe you'll know a bit more about that Jimmy yeah it was 5p a share he bought the club he bought all the shares in the club for £165,000 basically he had been bailing us out a little bit in terms of um, unpaid tax bills and HMRC bills that were coming through but he basically said well that's enough I've put £11 million in terms of loans for you so far I either have the club or you don't have a club was pretty much the message so a lot of people bought their shares for £4 when they were first issued in the early 90s and then got 5p for them when when Trevor bought them but it was a case of well you can have 5p a share or you can have nothing a share well, yes, 5p more goes under. than they get under liquidation yeah, yeah. okay fair enough so I, think, I think that's why a lot of people hold yeah, yeah. hold a grudge still to this day yeah I'm, I'm too young for that but yeah, I just I think we've got a model now that's got us to six in the league with nine games left. I think you can't really ask for much more than that. So that, that's well, last last three seasons we've finished seventh, fourteenth, was it last season, and we're sixth at the minute. So yeah, yeah, just have to see. I think the other thing just on Trevor Kieran is the training ground. Um, basically, oh, I've heard stories put, about this. Yeah, we put in permission for a new training ground. Trevor bought the land. Uh, via Cleetham All Limited, one of his businesses, um, for an old golf club. Um, with the, it, it got rejected first time by the council, 
uh, but there's 450 houses in the training ground. Um, so there's a big fan-led sort of petition put to the council and it got put through second time. Now, the plan for that was to be in um, Ingle by 2017-18 season, the start of, but there's not been a brick laid yet. Right. So two years down the line. Um, in last year's account, so it might be the year before, basically the club bought the land for the training ground from Cleetham All Limited for one and a half million pound. Right. Club now own the land, but haven't got the money to build anything on it. And basically there was a statement about three months ago now uh, where it said the, the club won't be building the training ground until all the houses are sold. So there's, 400, there's planning permission for 450 houses Ouch. there. Yeah, about yeah. 12 have been built or oh, part Jesus, built so right. far. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was, but that was, wasn't mentioned in the initial planning mm. and the initial statement. Haven't, haven't, the they said as, haven't they said as well they're going to spend some money on Springfields? Yeah, we've just had but, planning permission accepted for the current training ground for a new building that's there. The, the current training ground only has three full-size pitches, so it's quite small when you've got the youth team there. Yeah. Well, did have the youth team there. They're now training at um, the local university. So it's yeah that caused a little bit of hostility, especially with the work that people put in to get the yeah. permission through yeah. for it. It's now now a case of well we've got to build the houses before we even lay a brick for the training ground. So that caused a a little bit of an issue. But I get your point on Trevor. I mean I've been a bit of a, a dissenter in the past, but it's only since I've grown up a little bit and looked through the looked through the finances that he's putting in to realise that you know without Trevor Emmons we probably don't exist. So it's um, yeah. I suppose you've got people probably just need to educate themselves a little bit in terms of actually we'll what take the bad with in. good. Yeah, yeah. Have you um, plans for a second book or anything? Because obviously I've read parts of football now. Um, <laughs> it was a an eye opener to say the least. So um, it took me two and a half years to write that, which is two and a half years of pain. Um, I I'm doing I'm doing a, an updated version over the summer. Um, I'm the, the publish. The, the trouble is, I, th- I think I've covered everything. Um, yeah. there's, there's a few more crazy stories. So it might it might be a big version two might be a bit bigger. Um, and as my wife keeps reminding me, you're, you're not going to make a penny out of it. So I, I, I don't want you wasting time doing yeah. it. Yeah. No, I, I, and also the, the the pod, you know, working with Kevin to 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 produce a 45 minute show takes me three or four hours of research each for each episode to make sure that I've got all the numbers, uh, do all the background checks and things of that nature. So I am spending a lot of time doing media work, which, which might sound a bit precious. Um, so I hope it doesn't. I've, I've done 350 media interviews this year. Jesus. Uh, and we're still in May. <laughs> so busy year then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I think we're all fans of the pod anyway. So oh, thank it's something you. we all listen to anyway. And I think it's um it it's helped us gain a better understanding of football finances, especially since it's been been out there for the past couldn't spend what are we about a year now? Is it? Well we start, we started in, we started in September and Kevin keeps on going that I, I never told him I was a Brighton fan because you know Brighton and Palace we don't exactly yeah. love each other. Um, <laughs> and the, the honest reason why I didn't do that was that I thought it it would it would pack it in after two episodes. Yeah. But no, nobody would be interested and we run out of stories. Well, for, you know, the, the lunatics in charge of football just keep giving us stories. And that, that's why we went twice a week. Yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah. The whole Berry situation's 
probably <laughs> probably about a, a dozen podcasts in itself. You know, in terms oh, of obviously yeah, Dale yeah. I mean, the, the, and Day, etc. Because I, I ended up, um, you know, that Alistair Campbell's son was involved in a potential consortium. So I, I had a few phone calls with them just to sort of give them a bit of guidance on some of the numbers. And I met up with one of the guys and so on. And it was a re- the real tragedy about Berry is they said we, we wanted to buy the club, but we had no idea what we were buying. Yeah. Because there was, there was just no, no records there. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a yeah. real mess. And, and it still is. And, and Steve, Steve Dale was just playing a long, long game. He's waiting for people to forget. And, yeah, it's bad. and people's memories are short, as no doubt we'll find out in a month or two. Um, and then it'll go to the council and says, yeah, I, I know it's a protected protected asset, but it's falling down. Um, do, do you want such an eyesore in the middle of town? You know, give give me planning permission to do this, that and the other. And the council will say, well, OK, perhaps. We'll, and yeah, but yeah. That's, that's the way that these people operate. Charlatans. Yeah. <laughs> that's spot on. Um, yeah, no, I think unless anyone else has got anything that they want to say, then we can we can wrap it up. Perfect. No, that's spot on. Thank you. Um, yeah, Cheers brilliant. Thank you very much okay. for your time, Kieran. Thanks, guys, and uh, good, good luck in the playoffs. I think I'd be absolutely made up if you got promoted. Thank you. Absolutely <laughs> made up. You know, it's, it's a proper football club. It, as, as an away fan, it's a proper day out as well. Mm. Yeah, so, thank you very uh, much, Kieran. You, you keep it up. No, we need our day in the sun. It's been 1960 since we last up there, so we uh, we need our day in the sun, don't we? So uh... it, it's it's no fun. It's, it's misery. <laughs> it, it's it, 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 you know. I, I find myself wanting Palace to win because they're playing Bournemouth or Villa or someone like that. You know, I, I've never wanted that to happen historically. So it's yeah. it's a horrible division. Um, but I see, I'll take a season there just for the just for the ride. Yeah, just just for the kicks. Yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah. just for say, well, yeah, we, we've we've hosted these clubs. I've seen these players, yeah. and and I think you will notice. Uh, I, I, I remember the first time we played Chelsea, and I saw Eden Hazard play football, and I swear his feet, his boots didn't actually touch the grass. He just floated about an inch above it, and you you will see players of that caliber. You know, yeah. if if Aguero's still playing next season, it'll tell it'll tell you another one. But you'll go. <laughs> I, I've seen genius at work, and yeah, yeah. It, it is a step up. We had Man City in the cup this season, and we had Varian Sterling at Deepdale, and he got clapped off by all four sides of the ground when he got subbed because wow. he wasn't that good that night. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's yeah. Just, there's just all levels, and he is on that other level. Yeah, so. yeah. And sometimes, if, even if it's the opposition, as you said, you, you just say. I'm watching an artist rather than a, yeah. an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. oh, brilliant. Thank you very okay. much, Kieran. Cheers, guys. Super. Cheers. Cheers, Kieran. Right Bye bye. The Juice here. You are listening to our latest single, At Times. Of course, it's from the Finney. Doctor says I'm okay, so I'm fine with that. Guess I'll be alright The crutches on the feelings coming back to me Even when it all seemed black Yeah, you know it's alright at times You know it's alright Sorry.
Don't 